Greetings and salutations, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. Time, as always, for another glorious edition of Modern Day Gladiators here on the Outlander Media Network. I, your humble yet glorious host, Michael Shibley, the ace of Tennessee Sports Podcasting with you here. We've got another gigantic episode. We're talking playoffs. We're talking, of course, plenty of professional wrestling with Double or Nothing, NXT coming up, WWE continuing not to know what to do with themselves, and plenty more. Of course, also a couple of legends in sports for both great things and maybe not so great things, depending on your view of things. We'll talk about that passing away this week as well. So lots of stuff to get into. Of course, you are listening to Modern Day Gladiators here on the Outlander Media Network. Check us out at outlandermedia.net. And of course, wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever, please give us those five-star reviews. Myself with Modern Day Gladiators, Haffle, DLC, Respawn, Phantasm, Deadbeat Radio, and more. All of those great things you can check us out at outlandermedia.net or wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you do, please give us those five-star reviews. Like, comment, share, subscribe. That's how we get into those algorithms and get the word out to everybody else. And of course, you can follow me on social media at Michael underscore Shibley on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Day Gladiators. I'm posting some daily sports updates there for some videos and quick things that we can't get to here on the podcast or stuff we're going to go more in depth to here on the podcast. So give us a like on both of those. And of course, if you have any questions for me, love to answer them here on the podcast. So feel free to hit us up there on social media as well. But let's get into it. We are finally here to the finals in the playoffs. It has been a long and arduous journey as it always is. It's always amazing when these playoffs start either late March or early April, and it's now the end of May. I hope everybody had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend, but man, it is just long and arduous. Of course, the Stanley Cup playoffs already underway. The Bruins score four unanswered goals after being down 0-2 in the second period to take over and win game one over the St. Louis Blues four games to two. The Bruins showed that they've been off for 10 days. They were a little rusty falling down in that 0-2 hole. But then the St. Louis Blues, they couldn't stay out of the penalty box. They were outshot 30-12 to uh, going from the second period onward. And that just cost them. Of course, Game two's coming up Wednesday. Game 3 Saturday, Game 4 on Monday. As I've talked about before, I've got Boston in six games in this one, but I am rooting for the Blues because, hey, the St. Louis Blues, they have not been to a Stanley Cup final before now until since 1970, so it's been 50 years. They haven't won a, uh, they haven't even won a Stanley Cup, so... You've got all of that. I'm trying to do math in my head while I talk about all of this. Shows why, again, broadcasting major, not a math major like my wife. So there you have that. Should be a very interesting series. I hope it's a hard-fought series. Uh, of course, it's a little serendipitous because I don't think the St. Louis Blues won a game in the last time they played the Stanley Cup against the Boston Bruins back in 1970. And that's, I think, where Bobby Orr took flight uh, in that in that series-clinching goal Back then, I don't think the Blues even won a game in that Stanley Cup Finals. So they're on a long losing streak of not winning a Stanley Cup Finals game. So hopefully they'll win a couple. Again, I've got Boston winning in six, but because of the long layoff for the St. Louis Blues, I'm rooting for the Blues. Moving on to the NBA Finals, we finally have 
a new team to challenge the Warriors here. It's the Toronto Raptors versus the Warriors. Kawhi Leonard has been just phenomenal in this playoffs. Yes, the Greek freak Antetokounmpo is going to probably be your regular season MVP, but Kawhi Leonard by far has been the playoffs MVP. He has been amazing just leading the Raptors, whether he needs to score, whether he needs to assist and defend. It has been great. And hats off again to the Raptors who've gambled on acquiring him in that trade when they traded uh, Lamar DeRozan to the Spurs for Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard is going to become a free agent at the end of the season. But they're gambling on him for one year, and it is paid off because they have gone farther than they have ever gone before. So hats off to the management staff there in Toronto for gambling on Kawhi Leonard and getting him there. And Leonard is showing why he was the finals MVP for the Spurs that year, by just taking the team, carrying it on his back, and leading them to, again, where they have never been before. It has been great to see. And one of the things they did that none of the other teams were able to do in the Eastern Conference, they pretty much put a wall down low and uh, pretty much dared the Greek freak to shoot jumpers. And he wasn't able to do that. He wasn't able to work down low, and they tried to make him settle for jump shots, and it was successful. And that's why the Toronto Raptors won four straight games after falling into an 0-2 hole and winning in Game 6 and going to their first ever NBA Finals. Now, the problem is they've got... And they are playing a team in the Golden State Warriors who kind of knows how to shoot jumpers. The Splash Brothers are the Splash Brothers for a reason. And it looks like Durant might not even play in these finals at all. That, you know, calf strain and high ankle sprain, all the other stuff wrong with his leg could just be a hindrance and not even allow him to play at all in the finals. Maybe by the end of it, we'll see. Of course, news can break. And of course, we'll talk about that here on Modern Day Gladiators when it does. But again... These Warriors, they know how to shoot jumpers. We've talked about this plenty. I mean, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, without Kevin Durant, were able to go out and not only win a finals, but then go to a Game 7 and should have won it had Draymond Green not, you know, been ejected and suspended for Game 5. So, to the Cavaliers there. So, just keep that in mind. Should be an interesting finals. I'm still picking the Warriors in 6. Yes, Kawhi Leonard has been great, but again, the Bucks aren't the Warriors. And the Warriors, they're playing for history. They're going for their third straight and four out of the last five NBA championships. And again, that's for dynasty status right there. Should be amazing to watch. Very excited to see it. And again, game one starts Thursday, game two Sunday, game three Wednesday, and then game four the Friday after that. So again, way too far of gaps between games here in the NBA Finals. I mean, In a week, you're playing four games in the NHL, and it's taking much longer than that to play four games, a little bit longer than that to play four games in the NBA. There's too much of a gap. You don't need that much. I know it's for TV, but come on. Let's get this over with. It's been long enough, because in a couple of weeks, the NBA draft's going to be happening. Then they take a water break. Then they have summer league, and then football gets started. And then once football gets started for about a month, and then it's basketball season again. There needs to be some gaps here. It's exhausting. And it's tiring, and that's, I think, the long gap in football is why people, part of the reason they love the NFL and college football so much. The NBA is just constant at this point, and it just gets tiring to me after a while. One of the things that's not tiring for me, though, and that's international soccer. We've got the Women's World Cup coming up June 7th, and we will break all of that down, especially next week on the 
podcast, but we've got to finish the club championship stuff going on. You've got the Europa League, which is the lower uh, level of the teams that didn't qualify for the Champions League. We've got them happening. That's happening uh, actually tomorrow as of this recording. We've got Chelsea versus Arsenal in Baku, Azerbaijan. Should be an awesome game. These are always places where Arsenal just ends up choking it away, so I'm picking Chelsea to win that one, three goals to one in Azerbaijan. And then the Champions League, of course, the top tier. And again, we talked about how Tottenham and Liverpool both came back from three goals down and just scoring crazy goals and just uh, getting immortal comebacks, and it should be another great one. And again, both Tottenham and Liverpool... Can also be very hard luck franchises when it comes to this. Liverpool, of course, falling just short of winning the Premier League uh, as a whole. Last week, I'm going to go, though, with Liverpool getting the Champions win title. Again, I am saying this one it's going to be three goals to two in a great match in Madrid. And again, an all-EPL final in both the Champions League and Europa League. Of course, they don't chant EPL, EPL, like everybody here in... Tennessee chants SEC when all other SEC teams are in it, and Tennessee hasn't done bubkiss to deserve it in football the last decade. So just remember that, guys. It's not the same no matter where you are. So that's all the finals action going on. Going to take a little more of a serious note here as two uh, very famous and infamous uh, sports stars passed away over the Memorial Day weekend. First, rest in peace to Bart Starr, uh, passing away at 85 years old. The man who, he won five NFL championships, 61, 62, 65, 66, and 1967. And the last two, of course, were Super Bowls one and two. Because remember, for those of you who have been alive for more than five seconds, just remember that there was a long history of football in this country long before the Super Bowls even started. And there's been 53 Super Bowls, but there were NFL championship before that merger between the NFL and the AFL, the two competing leagues. So you look at all of that, and of course, under the great coaching of Vince Lombardi, Bart Starr was the quarterback in Green Bay. So way before Brett Favre, way before Aaron Rodgers were winning championships for Green Bay, Bart Starr was the man. My mother, who grew up in Milwaukee, in that area, loved Bart Starr. Uh, you know, her, her family, they were all Green Bay Packers fans, cheeseheads to the core up there. So again, he, what a, just a great football life. You talk about a quarterback, a team leader, that's what Bart Starr was. I mean, of course, the play that made him the most famous was in the Ice Bowl, a negative 48 degree windshield day on December 31st, 1967, the Packers versus the Cowboys, and it came down, the ball was at the one yard line with 16 seconds left to go, and Bart Starr calls 31 wedge, it was supposed to be a handoff to fullback Chuck Merson, but instead he saw a crack in the line and decided to keep it on that QB sneak, just got in, and the Packers were able to get the win and go on to Super Bowl two to defend their championship of course they won in the first Super Bowl so again just a great Hall of Fame career he was a Hall of Famer he was elected in 1977 he had 16 years all with the Packers 24,718 passing yards 152 touchdown passes and not only did he play for Vince Lombardi he was also a quarterback at Alabama so he played for Vince Lombardi and Bear Bryant Injuries kind of curtailed and didn't give him a full, really, career at Alabama, but he was still drafted back when they had 
way more rounds than they do now. I think they have, what, seven rounds now in the NFL draft? This He was a 17th round pick from Bama, just pretty much going on the recommendations of the Bama coaching staff to Green Bay and saying, hey, give a shot with him. And it was amazing to see. And again, just a wonderful football career, a great career outside of football, and an upstanding human being, Bart Starr. He will be missed again. He was one of the reasons the NFL really became what it was coming out in the 60s and then the 70s of just being the the, the just phenomenon and just ratings king that the NFL is now. You talk about the first real quarterbacks you have, Bart Starr, you have Johnny Unitas, who is more, of course, of a pass-first quarterback, but Bart Starr, yes, he had a lot of passing yards, but he was able, of course, to hand the ball off to you know Chuck Merson and all the other guys that they had on that team you look at you know Ray Nitschke played on that defense for the Green Bay Packers and just all of that stuff you know Paul Horning was the running back for the Packers one of the most overrated Heisman winners ever that's just me being bitter for Johnny Majors not winning it in 1956 still have that opinion though so you look at that rest in peace Bart Starr another rest in peace goes out to Bill Buckner who passed away from Louis Body's dementia, which I have heard is is a horrible, horrible disease, passing away at 69, surrounded by family and friends. He was a great, uh, you know, a solid baseball player. 22 year career in baseball, mostly with the Cubs, Dodgers, and Red Sox. 27 plus hits, a 289 average. He also won a batting title in 1980, just outside of the Hall of Fame. Not a Hall of Fame player, but still a great player. But of course, what most people remember when you say Bill Buckner is that ground ball that went through his legs, hit by Mookie Wilson, the little dribbler behind the bag. It went through Buckner's legs there in the bottom of the 10th inning in the 1986 World Series in Game 6, which led the Mets to pull off. They were down two runs, and they scored the two. They tied it up, and then Ray Knight came around and scored there to force a Game 7, which the Red Sox lost. And, of course, Bill Buckner became the GOAT. Not like Tom Brady in more recent Boston history as GOAT, greatest of all time, the GOAT, as in he's the one who lost it for them, when in reality, when you look at everything and you have time, which again is something we need, and again, remember, before internet outrage, there was still plenty of outrage for people, and Bill Buckner got just the bell end of that. That was just awful for Bill Buckner, the way he was treated around Boston after that, because everybody just thinks that's the ground ball, and that's what lost them the series. And that's it. And again, Boston, remember, had not been the title town that it is now with the Patriots, the Celtics, the Bruins, and, uh, and the Red Sox all winning titles in the last decade. You have to remember, besides the Celtics, the Patriots hadn't won Bobkiss. The Bruins had been struggling for a long time, and the Red Sox, again, had not won a World Series since 1918. And then they get to this World Series. They are one out away. They are one strike away. They took a two-run lead in the 10th inning and extra innings in Game 6. They were ready to celebrate. The champagne was there. It was all ready to go. And then all of a sudden, it just it, it, it falls apart for them. They're down to their last strike, but then... They put, you know, Chiraldi is out there. He allowed three two-out singles that would have, and any of those, if any of those batters were out, the Red Sox would have won the game and the World Series would have been over. The curse of the Bambina would have ended in 1986 instead of 2004. You had, you know, then Rob Stanley came in through that wild pitch 
It caused the tying run to score, and then after that, there were 16 pitches that could not end the game before that little dribbler that uh, that Mookie Wilson hit behind the bag and got through Buckner's legs. So again, Buckner, he was vilified in Boston for all of that. Where Whenever he was with the Cubs and the Dodgers, and even after his career, he was very respected in those cities. And it took, unfortunately, because again, fans are unreasonable, and sometimes I can be one of them, I will readily admit that, fan is short for fanatic for a reason. You look at with Bill Buckner, the fact that it took until Boston not only won one World Series in 2004, but then they won another one in 2007. Bill Buckner was there to throw out the first pitch in 2008 before he wanted to come back. He had tried to stay in the Boston area. He was working with their minor league system as a hitting coach and different things, but then he got into it. Uh, A wise-ass fan decided to try him, and that didn't end well for the fan, by the way. Then Buckner moved to Idaho out in the middle uh, you know, he, he loved being out on ranches anyway, bought a ranch out there in Idaho with his family. So again, you look at all of it. Finally, though, after that first pitch and different things, he was able to joke about it with Curb Your Enthusiasm, the Larry David show on HBO. There was a whole episode around that where he catches and saves a toddler or a baby, things like that, which is funny. But again, you look at, though, how, especially in Boston, the media, the fans, Boston, baseball itself really all failed Bill Buckner because, as I've said, it was not Buckner's lone fault. Yes, I am not letting him off the hook for the error. It was an error. But again, the manager probably shouldn't have kept him in there anyway. His ankles, even though he had a gritty 1986 season, I think 105 RBIs in 1986, but his ankles were done and shot at that point, but left him in at first base in the 10th inning. And again, you talk about all the, the other strikes and stuff from Chiraldi and and Stanley not being able to get those guys out. That was not Buckner's fault. And again, as we remind people, it's the same thing with Bartman back in 2003 with the Cubs. They still had Game 7, and the Red Sox lost Game 7 at home. So remember that. And also remember, again, the Cubs still had Game seven to win to go to their first World Series back then after the Bartman thing either. It's the same thing I say with Bartman, is that it's not that Boston needs to forgive Bill Buckner. It wasn't that. It should have never come to that. It was almost, it was Buckner who had the choice to forgive, and he finally chose to forgive Boston because he was owed the apology. Just remember that. Because, again, the way you treat somebody for that and a mistake, imagine your greatest faux pas broadcast for all the world to see and replayed countless times in your lifetime. Just think about that and how you would almost like to be treated with that. I thought, again, Buckner got the bell end of a lot of that, and it was bad for him. But, um, again, there was forgiveness that was shown, but it was... Too much of a gap in between that. The fact that Boston almost had to wait until they won a World Series before fans were ready to forgive him, which again is BS on my part. You shouldn't have treated him like that in the first place. You should not have vilified him in that way. But that's why, you know, fan is short for fanatic when you look at it. But again, rest in peace to Bart Starr and rest in peace to Bill Buckner, two guys in the pantheon of sports history who will be there forever. That's going to wrap up this first segment. Before we go, 
to break, however, I do want to thank Joe Shirt for sponsoring the Outlander Media Podcast Group. This is amazing. Joe Shirt, they are locally owned here in Knoxville. They've been doing this for 30 years. If you need shirts for a company outing, a softball team, you're a comedian and want to broadcast your stuff and have merchandise and things like that, Contact Joe Shirt at joeshirt.com. They've got great prices. They can fix anything that you're looking for. They can work with you with banners and mugs, anything. The shirts are great. They're soft. I can't wait to see the new Modern Day Gladiators merch that's coming out and all the other great stuff we've got coming out merch-wise with Joe Shirt through Outlander Media. So thank you, Joe Shirt, for sponsoring the podcast. And again, check them out at joeshirt.com. We are going to take a break, but we're back with shibbles and bits and, of course, everything that happened over the weekend with Double or Nothing in the WWE right here on Modern Day Gladiators on the Outlander Media Network. Yes, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Modern Day Gladiators. You hear the music, you know it's time for shibbles and bits. Let's get right into it. Of course, again, I hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. And of course, one of the things about Memorial Day weekend, we don't talk a lot about racing here on this podcast, but there are some big races, of course, all day long on Memorial Day, usually here on the Sunday during the weekend, and it is just fun to watch, especially if you're not a racing fan. It's cool to kind of watch that. It gives you something else to watch when between the baseball games and everything else going on. So again, check it out if you can. The Monaco Grand Prix was won by Lewis Hamilton. That's his third uh, win there in Monaco. It was, again, just another exciting race. I, again, when you pick these races, I've always been a big Formula One guy if I was going to pick something to watch or either rally car racing, something where you actually have to turn you know, right and make some hairpin turns and some different things on occasion. I'm just not a big going around and around on a track like that. That's just my opinion. Again, you you want to debate with me, come at me on Michael underscore Shibley. But again, congratulations to Hamilton getting his third win there. Held off Max for stopping uh, at the finish. Again, there was a five-second penalty that Max had because of bad uh, stuff in the pits. Uh... Hamilton, one of his tires was failing. He was lamenting the pitch strategy, but he was able to hold him off because Hamilton, if you don't know, a damn good race car driver. He has won a lot in Formula One, uh, and he was a finish worthy of Nicky. It was a tribute to Mercedes uh, team manager Nicky Lauda, who was also a legendary Formula One driver back in the day. If you check out, I think it's the 2003 movie Rush. He is featured in that, so check that out if you can. Moving stateside, uh, the Indy 500, of course, another great American race. It was won this year by a Frenchman, Simon Paginaud. He won the Indy 500 for his first ever Indy crown. He passed Alexander Rossi right before the white flag and was able to hold him off. He's the uh, first Frenchman since Gaston Chevrolet. Yes, that Chevrolet, uh, who won it in 1920. So kind of 
think about that. That's how long it's been between Frenchmen winning the Indy 500. And then you've had the Coca-Cola 600 in NASCAR. Martin Truex Jr. overcame an early flat tire after hitting the wall to win it. It's the second time he's won that race in four seasons. So congratulations there. Moving to soccer again real quick. FIFA, they've dropped plans to expand the World Cup to 48 teams in Qatar in 2022. They already said they were going to do that when the North American World Cup with Canada, the U.S., and Mexico happens in 2026, but they were thinking about floating the idea to doing that in Qatar, and that is a great idea of them not doing that, even though it'll give the U.S. less of a chance to make it, at least on the men's side. Women's side, doing perfectly fine. Again, we'll talk Women's World Cup next week on Modern Day Gladiators, but... The logistics would have been terrible. They already have a humanitarian, really, crisis if you look at it. Watch any reporting done by both ESPN and HBO Real Sports talking about just the labor that Qatar has pretty much been hiring out of some of these just third world countries, Philippines, Nepal, elsewhere, to construct these stadiums in just the terrible desert heat and everything going on there. Check that out. It is awful uh, what they're doing there. And uh, so, again, they were also thinking, FIFA was thinking about maybe then using this to expand into other Arab countries to have a kind of an Arab World Cup with Saudi Arabia uh, and Kuwait and some of these other countries there. However, you forget the fact that Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and the United Arab Emirates are all blockading Qatar, so expansion was probably going to be an issue with doing that. So, again, a smart idea for FIFA to kind of just back off and not... Uh, do that. And Saudi Arabia has enough problems with the U.S. already with, uh, and the WWE and blood money in the bank. We'll talk about that later. But again, smart idea to not do that. Moving over to the uh, the Diamond here collegiately, the Lady Vols, their season has ended as they fell to Florida in the Super Regional. Lady Vols lost Game 1, came back with a walk-off in Game 2, and then lost on a walk-off hit in Game 3 to fall to the 5th-seeded Florida Gators in the Super Regional. Lady Vols, a very young team still, so look for them to get back right in this area and hopefully get back to the Women's College World Series. Uh, They have not made it there since 2015, so hopefully they can get back to Oklahoma City there. But congratulations to uh, seven of the top eight seeds for all making it. Oklahoma, UCLA, Washington, Florida, as I mentioned, Arizona, Minnesota, Alabama, Uh, All of them got in. The only seed of the top eight to not make it to the Elite Eight there at the World Series is the four seed Florida State. They were upset by the 13 seed Oklahoma State Cowboys. So again, congratulations to all of those teams. A lot of great softball obviously being played in Oklahoma as Oklahoma State and Oklahoma both made it. You got two SEC teams still alive with Florida and Alabama, two teams I don't want to win. So I'm definitely not rooting for them. And then, of course, you've got three Pac-12 teams and a Big Ten team as well in Minnesota getting there. So congratulations there. Speaking of the SEC, 10 SEC teams have made it into the NCAA uh, men's baseball tournament. Uh, Six of them are national seeds. The Tennessee Vols, my beloved Diamond Vols, back in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2005. It's been a lot longer than I thought it was, so it's great to see them. They are a two-seed, and again, how the regionals work is you've got four teams. You've got the national seeds, and in this one, Tennessee is in the uh, North Carolina regional. Uh, North Carolina is the 14 national seed, so they're hosting things there in Chapel Hill where Tennessee 
will face off against its uh, its UNC Wilmington, Liberty, and North Carolina. So again, those teams will all play each other. Uh, it's a double elimination tournament, and the winner out of all of that will go on uh, to the Super Regional. So that's where all of that is going. And again, good luck to the Vols uh, in that one. They start with the three-seed Liberty on Friday night. And of course, you can check all that stuff out on the ESPN networks and streaming online and all that good stuff. So good luck to all of them. A couple of other interesting uh, news and notes going on. This one was really interesting. I had to rub my head and then also uh, bang my head against the wall a little bit when you look at it. St. Thomas University, uh, this is something interesting. The University of St. Thomas, there in St. Paul, Minnesota, they've been playing as a, one of the founding members. This is a, a Division Three school, so it's at the bottom of the NCAA divisions where they don't allow athletic scholarships. So again, keep all of that in mind as I get into this. A founding member of the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, or the MIAC, this last week they were involuntarily removed from the conference. They're kicked out of the conference because of quote-unquote competitive advantages. Again, long story short, they're winning too much. They're too successful. The other schools kicked them out of the conference. Uh, under coach Glenn Caruso, St. Thomas has won six MIAC football titles since 2010. The Tommies, which is their nickname, also reached the national title game in 2012 and 2015. The entire athletic program has enjoyed success. They finished 10th nationally in the Learfield Directors' Cup standings for Division Three schools. It's just amazing. This is what the league said in a statement. After extensive membership discussions, the University of St. Thomas will be involuntarily removed from membership in the conference. The MIAC President's Council cites athletic competitive parity in the conference as a primary concern. Uh, St. Thomas will begin a multi-year transition immediately and meanwhile is eligible to compete in a full member of MIAC through the end of spring 2021. So St. Thomas, at the end of 2021, is going to be looking for a new conference, which is just amazing. This is, um, they're being punished for winning. Th that's not, you, you, you I, we can talk about this all along. You talk about, you know, this is that stupid, and this might be a get-off-my-lawn moment, kids get-off-my-lawn, but this is the everybody-gets-a-trophy type of level. No, you want to win. That's what you go and join athletics to do, is be winners. Yes, there is more about having, a, having fun and camaraderie and sportsmanship and all of that good stuff. But seriously, the fact that they're winning too much, they're spending... You know, $1.1 million on football, which is more, I guess, than any other school in the conference has. Um, and, of course, they've got 6,000-plus enrollment. Uh, meanwhile, you look at Tennessee, they've got about 20,000 students at UT. You look at all of that, uh, you know, it, it trumps the enrollment of the other programs in the private school league. Every major conference, look at it, every major conference in the world of major college sports you look at the ACC they've got Duke they've got Wake Forest they've got two of them you look at Baylor out in the Big 12 you look at Northwestern in in the Big 10 you look at Vanderbilt in the SEC you look at all of these schools and how they still compete Northwestern was playing for the Big 10 title in football Vanderbilt is one of the best teams in baseball this year in the at the college level you look at all the Duke has been a perennial powerhouse in basketball and they're winning. You you play to win the game. 
has been said many, many times. It is amazing that they're just getting rid of them for winning too much. So it, it's just frustrating. That's not the way to go about it. Apparently, the old saying, if you can't beat them, join them, or figure out a way to beat them. Instead, if you can't beat them, kick them out of the conference is what the rest of these teams are going. So shame on them. And I'm going to get rid of this story because that's just, you know, that's just... It's it's awful. It it's just it sucks. That's there's no way to do it. Learn to beat them. And if you don't, guess what? F- figure something out, or you leave. You leave the conference. Don't kick them out for being too successful. You should tr- strive to get better, not strive for mediocrity. Life lesson there, kids. So learn that. A couple of other quick things before we get out of here. A couple of high school and college kids are doing away with the traditional way of going to college and then going to the pros. Uh, Both these guys, a hats off to RJ Hampton, the number five college prospect. He has decided instead of going to Kansas or Duke or Kentucky or any of these other schools that he was looking to go for, he's also the number six uh, projected draft pick on the 2020 big board as of right now, which is too early of a prognostication, but that's what they're saying. Uh, He has decided instead of playing for college, he signed with the New Zealand Breakers of the Australian League. He's the first American willingly foregoing college. There's been a couple of other um, players in the last decade to play overseas uh, before, but they've brought into question their amateur status or academically if they're going to qualify for this. He's like, screw it. I'm going to go get paid. I'm going to get developed. And again, you can talk about the development in college athletics here in the U.S. compared to playing overseas, but then you look at what uh, Luka Doncic has done with the uh, Dallas Mavericks this year. He has been phenomenal. He's my rookie of the year when you look at that. So you look at that and see, hey, I can go, I can make money instead of getting money most likely if he's going to get any money in college, it'd be under the table or other shady deals. Here, he's making it willingly, and the Australian League is a good league. It's not just one of these just outposts anywhere. He can learn a lot doing that. So hats off to him. I wish him well. And again, this if it's successful, more guys can go, and that can bring about some change with the NCAA system, which I am all about blowing up the NCAA system. Also, a guy that's making some waves in the way Major League Baseball takes prospects. Uh, Carter Stewart, he was the eighth uh, overall pick in last year's draft with the Braves. Then he played a year in uh, junior college, and now he's decided instead of going through the minor league system and making maybe, I think, a guarantee of about $2.5 million, he signed a deal to play baseball in Japan and make $7 million. So he's going to make more money. He's going to be able to be eligible to be a pro earlier. I mean, we could break down all of the ins and outs of the minor league system and how long certain teams have your contracts and all this other stuff. But what he's doing is he's betting on himself, and I'm always a fan of betting on himself. That's, heck, one of the reasons I've loved all elite wrestling so much. Those guys have bet on themselves. But the fact that he's doing that, and again, pitching prospects like Carter Stewart is, who knows what's going to happen to their arm in that time. But Japan has always been considered like quadruple A. So it's like not Major League Baseball level, but it's not triple A level here. So if he's able to stand out, he can stand to make a lot more money earlier than he would if he went through the minor league system and then the Braves hold on to his contract and, of course, bring him up later. So they've got that one extra year of him getting paid a smaller amount of money. So again, kudos to him, kudos to them betting on themselves, 
and hopefully they do well and they're able to make some more money and maybe, again, change the rules, change the world of sports that they're in. I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of changing the world, All Elite Wrestling, AEW's Double or Nothing event that happened over the weekend in Las Vegas was awesome. I loved watching it. Had a bunch of the other guys from Haffle uh, come over here from the Outlander Media Network and hang out and watch it. We had a great time. My wife was just going bonkers with it. She had a great time here as well, hanging out with everybody. It was amazing. Great thing, too. There were no bad matches. All of the matches were great. Yes, there were some production issues, but again, it's their first time doing an event like this. Uh, The MGM Grand Garden Arena was sold out, which was amazing. The crowd was hot for the entire match. They did get a little tired by the end, but again, when you've got four and a half, five hours of cheering your head off, we've seen it at WrestleMania. It gets tiring after a while. Uh, Hangman Page did win the Casino Battle Royale. He was a surprise entrant after losing his match to Pac. Uh, They didn't have that match that was canceled at uh, Double or Nothing because of creative differences with Pac, so he was out. So he's won a AEW championship match. He's going to face Chris Jericho, who defeated Kenny Omega. Another great match between two of them. To me, not on the same par as what they did in the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom, at Wrestle King at uh, Wrestle Kingdom 12, but still an amazing match, a great match there. Jericho pinning Kenny Omega clean after the Judas Effect back elbow, his new finisher there in AEW. That was great. Of course, the big surprise there was that uh, John Moxley, also known as Dean Ambrose in the WWE, came through the crowd, beat up everybody. He gave, uh, you know, um, dirty deeds to Chris Jericho, gave dirty deeds to the ref, and then beat up Kenny Omega, threw him off the set, off the poker chips, onto the floor. So, again, you've got something going on there. It's going to be great. Winners in the whole thing. Awesome Kong showing up in the women's. Now, it was supposed to be a triple threat match. It ended up being a four-way match. Britt Baker won that. SCU, um, phenomenal opener against the Stronghearts from Oriental Wrestling Entertainment. Kip Sabian winning his match. The Best Friends versus Angelico and Jack Evans was a great tag match. Again, great tag team wrestling the whole time. Ryo, Ryo Mizami, and Hikaru Shida won their match. The Young Bucks defeated the Lucha Bros in an amazing match. We already talked about Chris Jericho beating Kenny Omega. My favorite match probably was the Cody versus Dustin Rhodes match overall. What a just an amazing match. First of all, Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Goldust, at 50 years old, was able to go out and do what he did, bleeding buckets, too. There was blood in this match. And my wife, uh, Mrs. Shibbles, was freaking out because of all the, as a teacher, all the bloodborne pathogen safety videos she's had to watch over the years. That just was freaking her out. But still, just an amazing match, a great ending. Uh, and again, Cody talking about wanting to end the Attitude Era and seeing Dustin as part of that, symbolically taking one of those Triple H-style skull thrones and beating it with a sledgehammer. That wasn't a subtle shot across the WWE bow at all. That was that was a blatant shot across the WWE bow. Um, you had all of that happen. Again, just an amazing match and the fact that Cody then asked Dustin, instead of retiring, to be his tag team partner against the Young Bucks coming up at their event in July... Again, and this is one of the things to look at. You've got that tag team match. You've also set up Jericho versus Hangman Page for the AEW Championship. Kenny Omega versus uh, John Moxley at some point down the road at All Out, which is going to be their pay-per-view event happening in August. So, again, you have those three matches set as a core of things you're already wanting to do, and you don't need 29 writers and months of television 
to come up with it. Yes, they've got their, you know, the Nightmare Family uh, YouTube show and the Being the Elite YouTube show, but you've got other ways of doing things that you don't need, and this is even before the TV deal is ready to go in November, so that is amazing to see, or not November, in the fall. So they've been able to build all of that in one show. It was a great show. That and Wrestle Kingdom were great shows. NXT TakeOver before WrestleMania was amazing as well. So there's been great wrestling that has not been Raw and SmackDown and the pay-per-views around it. Meanwhile, by the way, uh, John Moxley also signed with New Japan. So he and Chris Jericho are both still with New Japan. Hopefully some of those guys like the Young Bucks and Cody and Kenny Omega can go back and sign with New Japan too and have a working deal instead of New Japan with Ring of Honor have it with AEW, I think would be mutually beneficial for both of them, the way things are going. It's amazing. But Moxley looks like he's going to be facing Juice Robinson for the United States Championship at some point here very soon, maybe at the June 5th uh, finals of the best of the Super Juniors. But it's amazing to have him there. Again, another guy betting on himself. His contract was up, did not want it renewed, even though he's been part of course, of the Shield with Rollins and Roman Reigns. But again, betting on himself and going out there, and he could be just bigger and just a big fish. It's going to be great to see what happens there. Meanwhile, on Raw, you would think after everything that happened over the weekend with All Elite Wrestling, that they would go out and say, hey, we're going to have a great wrestling show. We're going to have our guys showcase what they can do. Instead, they didn't have a wrestling match for about 50 to 45 minutes. There's nothing but talking and other skits and things going on. They didn't have any wrestling on their premier wrestling show every week until then, which was driving me insane. And then the fact that you have just these other things. Again, I don't know what's going on in their head when it comes to a lot of this stuff with all the soap opera writers you have, and they can't come up with anything better than... These are your main villains. Get rid of Brock Lesnar, because he is a unique unicorn when it comes to this. By the way, the Money in the Bank briefcase, he was using it as a boombox last week. It's now a boombox, which was great. Uh, As much as I hate Brock Lesnar winning Money in the Bank, he's been having a lot of fun with it, which takes away some of the pain of that. But again, they've got their event coming up in Saudi Arabia, Blood Money in the Bank 3, uh, is what I'm calling it. I don't even, it's super showdown. I don't know, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not supporting their endeavors in Saudi Arabia. But here are your main villains that are going to be on that. You've got the boss's son, Shane, facing Roman Reigns in that, uh, feuding with that. You've got Baron Corbin, who won a number one contender's match in a fatal four-way elimination match where you're supposed to pin people to eliminate them, but yet Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman just went out of the arena and fought out of bounds, which was not explained to anybody. Again, continuity. I pay attention to that. People with half a brain pay attention to things like that. That drives other people nuts. So you had that going on. Um, So, But Baron Corbin's going to challenge Seth Rollins there. You had, and then Dolph Ziggler, who's hasn't wrestled in four months is going to be with um Kofi Kingston for the championship there those are your villains that's not good is not good right now and I like especially Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin I like them as wrestlers but the characters and the way they're portrayed just just are just so grating on my head it bothers me so much so they're just not heels like that meanwhile 
Becky Lynch, of course, by the way, women still not going to be on this card at all in Saudi Arabia. Um, but Becky Lynch and Nikki Cross came out and they faced the Iconics in a non-title match. They pinned the Iconics, who, by the way, haven't defended their titles since winning them at WrestleMania. And then they lose clean as a sheet, Becky Lynch, uh, you know, pinning Peyton Royce. And are they going to get a title match out of this? I don't know. Because usually something like that would lead to it. I don't think it even matters. But your champions are losing again. And yes, the Iconics, I love them as heels. They are that wonderfully annoying heel. I love it. But they haven't defended their titles at all. They brought... And women, some of the women in the WWE fought so hard to get these tag team championships, and they haven't defended them at all on TV at all since winning a Mania. So there's been nothing happening with that. The only silver lining with the WWE is happening this Saturday with the fact that they've got another TakeOver happening. TakeOver 25 is happening. And again, five matches, all of them can look to steal the show, as always. Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong. I've got Matt Riddle, the king of bros, in that one. The NXT Tag Team Championships are on the line, as the Viking Raiders, who, by the way, haven't been on TV in a while either, by the way, had to, uh, you know, since they're on the main roster now, they gave up their Tag Team Championships. So it's going to be a ladder match between the Undisputed Era of Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish versus the Street Profits versus the Forgotten Sons versus Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch in a ladder match again for the NXT Tag Team Champions. I'm going to go with the Street Profits getting in the win in that one. The North American Championship is going to be on the line. The Velveteen Dream defending that title against the Prince of Pretty. He's back in NXT and I'm happy because he wasn't doing bubkiss on the main roster. Tyler Breeze is back. That should be another amazing match. Looking forward to that one. Women's title on the line. Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai. That should be another just amazing match. Hopefully her uh, four horsewomen stablemates don't get involved in that one. I just want to see a straight one-on-one matchup. I've got Shirai winning it. Baszler's already accomplished everything that she could, even though I don't see a spot for her on the main roster. But I've got Shirai getting the win there. Meanwhile, the NXT Championship on the line, Johnny Gargano defending against Adam Cole, baby, in just a one-fall match. They had the immortal two-out-of-three falls match uh, at the NXT TakeOver New York right before WrestleMania. This time, it's just a one-fall to a finish, and again... The match they had in New York was amazing and totally reeked of awesomeness and was a five-star classic there. I can't see them doing any less than that in this one as well. This one should be amazing and awesome as well. So check out NXT. Even if you don't watch anything else the WWE puts on, use that network subscription and watch NXT. So plenty of wrestling news, plenty of all this stuff happening. But that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Modern Day Gladiators. But before I go, one thing you can do before NXT TakeOver, if you're anywhere in the Rome, Georgia area, check out Win in Rome, my next-gen wrestling, happening June 1st there in Rome. You can go to nextgenwrestling.com. Check out all the information there. Joey Ryan, who just turned down a contract with AEW, is going to be there. And some of the other guys, I think RJ Fox is going to be there. Some of these other great indie guys are going to be at this matchup. So check it out. Some of the Haffle boys will be there, and some of the other guys from Outlander are making the trip. Unfortunately, I have my day job, so I can't make it. But again, should be an amazing event, so check that out. When in Rome, happening in Rome, Georgia, you can check out the Outlander Media page as well for more information on that at Outlander. 
SlanderMedia.net. But until next week, we've got, of course, big previews for the Women's World Cup and more coming up next week. I have been Michael Shibley. Too sweet. Love you guys. See you next time.